keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing Paul Bunyan Country well, we're kicking off Fish and Paul Bunyan Country for the year, as we always do, checking in with the Northwest Regional Fisheries Manager, Henry Drews. Henry, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Oh, we survived another winter, Kevin. <laughs> it's good to be here. Yeah, I am. Con- I'm, I'm close to being convinced winter is over at this point. but It's finally starting to look like it. Yeah. Well, of course, and that brings up a big question, and I know it's all guesswork, but you've seen a lot of these uh, late starts and early starts. Uh, what, what is your... What is your gut telling you about open ice by the 12th? Well, I think there's going to be ice on on some of northern Minnesota on the fishing opener. I think that's a given. It's just a matter to how extensive and um, and how far north that that ice line remains. Well, of course, uh, you know a lot of it's going to do with uh, what kind of heat, what kind of rain, all of those kinds of things uh, before we get there, but. Regardless, we know that everything's running late, so um, you know there's going to be some sort of uh, spawning issues probably by the opener that there will be a little later than than it normally would be. Yes, there will be some areas that are closed that uh, might typically not be closed on the fishing opener. Uh, There'll be some waters that are closed leading up to the opener until midnight, and we do have all of those posted on our DNR website under fishing closures. So we encourage folks that if they're familiar with an area that's been historically might have been closed, check that website out. Um, We have up until 48 hours um, before we need to post it closed or to remove the closure to make that change. And we do that by posting prominent accesses and then also by posting it on our website. We want to be uh, give folks as much notice as we can so they can plan accordingly. Well, yeah, and, and obviously the thing about the spawn is if the spawn doesn't go well, uh, we have, uh, you know, it impacts our fishing down the road a few years. Yeah, you know, the the good news is, Kevin, that, that what we've observed over the years is that on seasons where we have late springs, we actually tend to have very good reproductive success on those years. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact that um, when spring is late, when it comes, it usually is here to stay. A year like last year where we uh, thought we had an early spring and then it felt like winter again and then it thought spring was back and and we retreated again into winter, those are the springs where we see um, typically poor natural year classes on our lakes and poor survival of our stocked fry. And uh, And we don't want that, do we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and and you know that the fish are fish are made to have uh, some successful years and some not so successful. Uh, generally, those successful ones are followed by years where maybe it isn't so good, and vice versa. That's just the population dynamics of, of animals that have tremendous reproductive capacity. Um, sometimes it's you know if you have a gap, it kind of increases the odds that you know the following year it's going to be really good. Um, but again, in general, these late springs tend to favor um, walleye reproductive success. And you, you know, we we can't you can't speak for the entire state, uh, but I know that you know you you obviously keep tabs and you talk with people around the state. By and large, the vibe I'm getting is that uh, the walleye population statewide, with the, you know one really glaring exception, is is doing well in in. Uh, in most lakes, and even in Mille Lacs, I hear we're getting some repopulation. It's just that we're we're not where we need to be. 
Yeah, you know, we have 10 bellwether walleye lakes in the state. Four of those are up here in the northwest, Leech and Cass and, and Upper Red and Lake of the Woods. And, and these 10 walleye lakes that also include uh, Cabotogama and uh, Winnie and Malax and Pepin, um, Lake Vermilion, those are our bellwether lakes, and we survey those every year. We have uh, biologists assigned to each one of those lakes, and we have just up-to-date data on those. And as go those lakes, as go walleye fishing in the state of Minnesota. And right now, um, you know, Winnie's had a couple of tough years. You referenced Mille Lacs, but all of those other lakes um, are doing very well. Walleye abundance is at or above the long-term averages. And, um, you know, that, that usually bodes well for fishing in Minnesota. The way those lakes go, how walleye populations are doing, is usually mirrored by some of that next tier of lakes, like the Bemidji's and the Plantagenet, um, Woman Lake, Otter Tail Lake, um, Lac Aparo, Big Stone, those other you know, commonly referred to lakes in the walleye um, communication circles. So, so, yeah, I think that's an accurate statement, Kevin. Things are in pretty good shape. I know one of the things we spend a lot of time uh, talking about and paying attention to is AIS, and 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 know uh, there's some some AIS in some of our key waters we're taking close tabs on. But I was talking to Chip Lear a few weeks ago, and uh, he threw a stat at me that I I would really had no idea. Because we spend so much time on it, and we're we're keeping tabs on where it's going, we tend to hear a lot of bad news. But really, uh, we still have 95 plus percent of our waters without AIS in them. We still so it it still behooves us to pay a lot of attention and do the right thing. Absolutely, chips right on on money. There, we we need to be vigilant. There are a lot of lakes that have uh, zebra mussels, for example, or Eurasian water milfoil or starry stonewort, but it isn't all the lakes. And every angler has to take um take it upon themselves to check their boats, check the bunks on their trailers for vegetation, drain their live wells, drain, have their plug out. You know, it's the law, and it's the law for a good reason. It's so that we can not spread these harmful invasive species. The sky isn't falling because we have invasive species in a number of lakes, but as long as we can prevent them from spreading to other waters, we need to do our very best to make sure that we don't. Coming up next, more with Henry Drews, plus we hear from Mr. Walleye, Gary Roach. I'm Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Back on Fishing Paul Bunyan Country with Henry Drews, Northwest Regional Fisheries Manager, discussing the AIS situation. And even the lakes that do have AIS, and then we're, we're not sure really what the long-term impact is. I know that we've started to see it It shifts when you can catch walleyes. I mean, uh, my understanding is that on casts, the... The numbers weren't down, but when you could catch them was definitely in much more lower light uh, situations than in years past. Yes, it, you know, it improves the water clarity or makes it much clearer once the zebra mussels have established a large population. And even our clear water lakes up here that we, we have and that we fish, they become clear when zebra mussels are present. Um, in reality, we don't know all the effects of what um, zebra mussels will have on our lakes or spiny water fleas because there just aren't a lot of examples with these north temperate climates like we have and these high-quality fisheries. So we're learning as we go. And um, 
And we do know that when that water clarity um, gets much greater, it does drive a species like walleye to more night feeding. There are species that likes relatively low light intensity. They feed more active at night. I mean, you can look at the, their eyes and how their eyes are constructed, and they're, they're built for feeding in very low light conditions. So as the water gets clearer, that means they're not going to be as inclined to be shallow and feeding on forage species during the day. And you reference Cass Lake. A lot of the angling pressure on Cass has shifted to um, sunset till, you know, say midnight or one in the morning. And people are catching a lot of fish, but not everybody's up for fishing at night. <laughs> it takes a little more, uh, a little more equipment uh, and a, a little more skill. And, you know, there are safety aspects associated with it, too. I know some of the concern on Winnie, and again, I know that's not from the northwest region, but I know that, you know, it's kind of the same thing, whereas the the water has cleared some in Winnie, the light is penetrating a little further, so those fish are not necessarily where they would have been three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, that means fishing deeper. That means fishing later in the day. Um, it means taking advantage of the early early season fishing when those fish are shallow for for either spawn or post spawn activity, um, and the water might be uh, um, not quite as clear earlier in the season. So so anglers have to adapt to these changing conditions, you know. And um, whether it's a lake getting clearer or in some situations twenty thirty years ago, a lake maybe not as clear as it once was. You have to adapt and try new things. The The good news, though, is, as you uh, alluded to, is the walleye numbers are good, by and large, in, in this region and in this state. Um, you know, the pressure is, is getting stronger, it seems, and yet we're able to continue to produce walleyes. And, and a lot of those lakes, it's, it's all natural, too, that, that, which is an amazing thing. Many of the uh, the lakes we've talked about have natural reproduction that, that support that fishery. You know, even Lake Bemidji, we don't stock Lake Bemidji. And recent gillnet catches were in the upper teens to low 20s. Um, and, and you know, we've, we've seen those natural lakes uh, do very well. But we're also seeing, as we get a little smarter with how we stock fish, we've seen our some of our fry and fingerling stock lakes also responding very well. So um, the same conditions that are conducive to naturally spawned fish succeeding, those same conditions make us more effective with our fry and our fingerling stocking. We'll hear a lot more from Henry Drews in the coming days, but right now it's time to check in with one of the Hall of Fame anglers. He was in Bemidji this past weekend as the new Northwoods Bait and Tackle had their grand opening, Mr. Walleye Gary Roach. Hey, nice to be here, nice on a nice day like this, and watching the ice slowly melt. <laughs> slowly melt, and we'd like to see it melt a little faster, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Northwoods Bait and Tackle. Uh, what a great new shop we have here in town. Oh, I'll tell you, what, a perfect spot right about, right by the public landing here in the Lake Bemidji. And then going north, you can go north and stop in here, and they've got everything. I mean, they have got a full load of everything in here. It's really a beautiful spot. It's And you were talking about just the, the real great thing is to see, you know, the next generation getting into the, uh, into the business. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of new stores in town, uh, and all with a younger group of guys owning them. I tell you what, we got to keep these fishermen going, you know, and these young guys got the energy. I'm up there where I mean, I just want to sit around and talk to people and, you know, talk about fishing, which I love to do anyway, and fish. So I had a good summer and the fishing was going, was going good. Uh, this year, I think we're going to have another excellent year. It's going to be a slower start, but the fish are going to be really biting. When, as soon as this ice goes, those fish are going to be into the shallows. 
So I think I think the guys just grabbed some jigs and the Northland Fireballs is my favorite. And then they have a new slider head also up there that we use. It's called we call it the Erie head before, and it's a flat 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 headed jig you might say. And you hook the minnow on the minnow stands up straight you might say. So the walleys can come along and pick it up, but don't set the hook right away. Give them a couple seconds, like let them get the second bite or the third bite, and then set the hook. Well, I know that uh, jig and minnow is really the way to go early in the year, and particularly this year when it's going to be even colder water than usual. Right, and and it make everybody slow down. And one thing I see last year when I was fishing Lake Winnemagosh is guys were going through those fish. In other words, that was drifting along the edge of the flats, you know, 11, 12, 13 feet of water. What they didn't do was go out around to the deep water, way out around, and then go way upwind, you might say, and then come back down along where the fish were. Well, there was a few people, there always is a few people that was wide open right up to their fish. It was making everybody pretty irritable, I'll tell you that. And it, plus, that's stupid. It's totally stupid. Take it easy. If you want to go, go way in shallow. But I recommend going way out to the outside edge of the bar, the reef, you might say, or whatever you're drifting to, then drift to it quietly. Catch more fish, the fish will stay there, they won't run them off. Gary, one of the lakes you're known for so great over the years is Mille Lacs, and obviously we're in a, in a bit of a situation there. What are your thoughts on Mille Lacs right now? Well, there's so many fish in that lake right now, and I've asked the DNR people to come in my boat. My nephew, my great-nephew Tony, wrote the same thing. Come in our boats. We'll show you that the so many fish in there, and I've never seen so many fish shallow, medium depth, and deep. They're just all over, and the smallmouth bass are just thicker than heck. And a lot of, a lot of guys are taking bass and, and killing a lot of bass just because they can't keep one walleye. And I, I, I feel really bad about that. Uh, you can actually go out and catch so many. I mean, we catch 100 fish a day like nothing, like nothing, up to 28, 29 inches, 24 inches, 23 inches. And if they say if you release them, it's going to kill a lot of fish by catch and release, catch and release. Well, why do we have to release them if there's such so many fish getting killed by hook mortality? Doesn't they think it would be smarter just to have one or two fish, you know, one fish per person? And if we don't have any fish, we'll do it like we did at Red Lake. Didn't we, didn't we bring that back, too? Mm-hmm. Big time. If people go to Red, you know. But to me, and all the people around the bait shops and the resorts and stuff around that lake, it's pretty doggone sad. So I'm not really for what they're doing. Well, nonetheless, there will be places we can fish this year. And uh, it's such a great activity, Gary. I mean, that's that's the thing about fishing. It's multi-generational. Uh, yeah, if you ever get a kid out in the boat fishing, I've never been a kid who didn't love fishing. You know, and a lot of people don't know how to use a rig or a jig or a bottom bouncer. And what I do with folks, I take and put slip bobbers on their rigs, and everybody likes to catch fish with a bobber. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, going on like, you know, I can't tell you how old I am, but <laughs> I'm going on pretty old, and I still like to see a bobber going down, you know. And I did that a lot with my people that I took fishing last year, hook them up with bobbers, Drift through the edge of the flats, around the weed beds and stuff. You don't know what you're going to catch. You're going to catch a bass. You're going to catch a wall. You're a bluegill crappie. You don't know. So get the folks out and the old timers. You know, I tell you what, you guys can catch fish. Bobber fishing's still going strong. I like catching fish on bobbers too. Yeah, I do. I love it. I just love the bobber. I see that bobber going down. You don't know how big that fish is. Yeah. He could be a monster. <laughs> you've been fishing for many, many years. Obviously, yeah. what are the biggest changes you've seen? Well, the electronics. Uh, a lot of guys are, you know, are using phones. Say, hey, I got them over here. 
people are not learning the lake. They're not learning the bottom. You know, what kind of bottom is it? If it's a mud bottom, if it's a sand bottom, if it's a rock pile or a gravel bar. And the old days, the old flasher. I mean, i got to put a word in for that old flasher that told you exactly the bottom content. Because when you see that flash, nobody could understand that flasher, how to read the fish on it. Most nobody could, which was nice. They come out with this new stuff. And if you learn how to read that thing, I'll tell you what, the, 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 the bottom is so much, so important, I would say, so important to catch fish. Because now they like rocks and gravel to spawn in. Later on, they'll move out to the edges. And then again, then you, you do the mud line then, you know, the drop off. And then you go into the silt. You know, there's, there's, there's bait in all these different places. So in the old flasher, and i got to talk about the old flasher, when you came out from the mud, out to the mud, you only had one signal. One, one, one flasher mode, you might say. And then when you come up to drop off, all of a sudden it started getting stronger. Then you had like a double echo. And then you had the triple echo. And this is what taught me. And with Carl Lawrence, I took him fishing, caught him all kinds of walleyes. In fact, Mike Snettler took that photo down. They used it at the big tackle show in Florida this year of all the big fish we had with, with Mr. Well, the old guy with the old, with the old cowboy hat on. So that was pretty cool. But it show, showed us what the fish like. And this is what these guys are missing. They don't know the bottom content. So walleyes like rocks and gravel. And they'll go along the sand at night, you know, and, they'll, and the weed beds. And it shows you that too. So, But they learn how to do that. And you'll find fish in you know, any lake you want to fish. Bottom content. I know that you obviously love fishing, and uh, that's how you got into it, but uh, how did you find yourself uh, becoming Mr. Walleye and a, and a Hall of Fame angler? That's a good story. Ron Linder was over in Michigan and, and uh, fishing a tournament over there, and Ron Linder was, was there on the weigh-in. And a guy's named Bob Kazkowski, he happened to be the guy the, the guy on the, up there weighing the fish in and talking fishing to us guys and weighing us in. So I come in just right up the nick of time, brought in a big bag of fish, you know. And I'd fished the tournaments, have done well with the tournaments, really have been lucky. And Ron Linder seen that big bag of fish when I walked up the stairs. He was sitting right at the corner. And he says, "Wow, man!" He says, "That is awesome." He says, "We had some six, seven, eight pounders." Anyway, Bob Kaskowski looked down there as we we're coming up with my partner. I think Mark Martin was my partner then, and he says, "Well, here comes old Mister Walleye." That's how it started. Old Robert from Kaz Kowski, old Kaz. And Ron Linder says, man, get that thing trademarked. He said, don't let somebody else steal that name. So I, we did. We went back home, got to Minneapolis, got the trademark people. And then he also trademarked Mrs. Wally, Beverly's name, too. So she's got her set of rods, too, Mrs. Wally. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, just uh, just a passing comment, and uh, and Ron Linder was smart enough to say, "You better jump on that." Yeah, well, he did. He said, "You better jump on that." He says. Well, they went through a, a a deal with somebody else in the industry that copied some stuff that they did, and they had to spend some money on an attorney to get it straightened out. So that's why he said that. Assuming we're going to have water on all our lakes, where are you going to open? Well, probably Winnie and my old cabin on the west side of Winnie. Possibly, if we got any ice, you know, ice open. We did last year. We did well. And like I was saying out there, you got to take it easy on this real clear lakes now. Electric troll motors are a must if you can. You know, and then, like I say, get out away from the school. Get out in that deep water, 30 foot of water. Come on up the bar where the wind is blowing all across or use your electric. But stay off that water where the fish are. 
with that big motor because they're spooking out, and they're twice as spooking out since Winnie's got really super clear. And all the lakes are. Cass is clear. You can see fish 15 feet. Electric troll motors. <laughs> Gary Roach, Mr. Walleye, Hall of Fame angler. Great to see you today. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you for stopping. I appreciate it, and good luck fishing to you. Get out there. Now we go fishing. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com energyaudit energy audit. 